Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. trying to know how many citizens it has. Why is that such a controversial issue for a nation to figure out how many people here are citizens of our nation? And yet the Supreme Court, with John Roberts flipping once again with the liberals, decides today to say, nope, can't do it. Sorry. Go back to the lower courts. What a mess of a ruling. Another another John Roberts sellout. It is not the great one, Mark Levin, but that's okay. I am your fellow Levinite, Rich Zioli. Happy to be with you tonight from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Roberts is a disgrace in so many different ways over the years. He's the guy we can all say, hey, thanks for Obamacare, John Roberts. Thank you for doing what Congress wouldn't do years ago and declare Obamacare a tax. And by doing so, of course, saving Obamacare. Today, he says, you know what? Uh, this census question, this citizenship question, uh, we, we don't like it because we don't like your motivations for how you came up with it. So the president wants to have a count of how many people in this country are legal citizens. I think it's a very important count because we hear different numbers all the time of how many people are here legally or illegally. I've heard ranges from 11 million to 45 million illegal immigrants. I don't know. Nobody does. They're, they're all estimates. Some people say 11. Some people say 13. Some people say 45 million. Some people say 35 million. It's all over the place. So the president has said, let's count and figure out how many people are United States citizens. Why not? There's a couple of advantages to doing so, obviously. Well, number one, you can figure out what kind of congressional districts you want to have. Every 10 years after the census... They redistrict and they figure out which states get more seats or less seats in Congress in the House of Representatives. That's why some states might lose a seat. Another state might gain. And this all has ramifications for Electoral College, obviously, because if a state gets more seats, that number adds up to get more electors. And then the state becomes even more powerful. And obviously, you want to make sure that if people are moving out of a state like my state of New Jersey, where everybody's fleeing New Jersey because it's ridiculous and it's overtaxed and nobody wants to retire in New Jersey, let alone live there. Well, then maybe they should lose a representative in Congress because everybody's fleeing their high tax blue state. But why are we why would we have representation for people that aren't citizens? In other words, why would we want to waste a congressional seat in a district that is not comprised of people who are here legally and are allowed to vote and should be represented by somebody in Congress? It's a very simple question. And so by understanding that fact and then being able to distinguish between the two, I think it makes a lot of sense. Clearly, when they did the census, when they when the framers of the Constitution thought, hey, you know what, let's do a census. Let's count everybody and figure out how many people are here so we can figure out how many seats to have. We have the number of seats in Congress and then we'll figure out who gets what. This this was done for a reason. And obviously that reason was done so that we could have a truly Republican, small r, representative government, representative government, so that our government could represent the people and the people Obviously, since there's only going to be now 435 people in the House of Representatives, they're actually representing the people who can A, vote, and B, can enjoy the fruits of citizenship, which I'm not afraid to say. You should. There are fruits to citizenship. Yes. 
And you should be proud of citizenship. And there's nothing wrong with being a U.S. citizen and saying, I'm very proud of that fact. Yet there are people on the left that say, no, if you're here illegally, even though you, you broke the law and you're, you're probably breaking the law here now since you're here illegally, uh, you should still be represented in Congress. <laughs> Wait, what? If I sneak into France, I'm not represented by the French parliament. Why should I be? Why should they make decisions based on my welfare? I, I, I'm not a citizen in their country. What other nation on earth would even think that was rational? What other nation on earth would go, you know what, this guy snuck in here. And he's uh, he's taking our resources. He's here illegally. But let's make sure that we give him a voice. Let's make sure he's heard in Congress or in Parliament. Let's make sure that we we count his best interests at heart. Does that sound remotely rational? Of course not. And that's why it's stupid to say you can't have a citizenship question on the U.S. Census. But, of course, there was a lawsuit. And everybody said, uh, now, this is this is uh, unfair to illegal immigrants. It's unfair to immigrants in general. Why? If you're here legally, if you have a green card, if you have a visa and you're counted in the census, nothing bad's going to happen to you. But we know the difference between the number of citizens we have and the number of people who are non-citizens. It's the illegal immigrant part that gets people, especially on the left. They go, well, well no, yeah, but you don't want to count them. Why not? And the answer is, because if you count them, you might be giving data to the federal government, which could then theoretically have them deported, I guess. But then again, those citizens, those those census questions are supposed to be confidential. And I imagine they would be. The real truth of the matter is that if we start saying how many citizens we have versus non-citizens, and I'm talking about the illegal immigrants in places like Texas, it's really going to hurt the odds that Democrats are going to be able to capture the majority of a state like that. Because that means they're going to have less congressional seats, and that's less uh, less ability now to affect the Electoral College. And also, because we're talking about districts here where people are voting, all those people who are, who are voting but should not be able to vote because they're not U.S. citizens, and it's happening more and more in places like California, places like Texas, around the country in these blue states, if you start saying, we're not going to count illegal immigrants in deciding representation, we're not going to count, that means that states that don't have problems with illegal immigration may get more seats in Congress. May get more seats in the House of Representatives. May have more influence then, which would be a beautiful thing. And also, just from a common sense perspective, why does anyone think that if you're here illegally, you should be represented in Congress? The only thing you should be lucky is that you're still here, and that's it. Not that Congress is meeting your needs when they when they legislate in Washington. But is Congress really meeting anybody's needs? Probably not. As Mark Levin would say, the great one would often say, too often, the men in black make terrible decisions. Men in Black, by the way, one of Mark Levin's greatest books. Uh, I should mention you five weeks in a row, number one bestseller. His new book, of course, the new book on freedom of the press, five weeks on the New York Times, number one bestseller. Five weeks. It's amazing stuff. Get a copy if you haven't done that. But years ago, I read Men in Black, and I remember Mark talking about this fact. You know, these judges, they get on there for life. Now they think they're legislators. They decide to right all the wrongs. They don't decide to just say, this might be a mess, but you know what? It's not our mess. So you go handle it. Go take care of it. And today in a 5-4 decision, Chief Justice John Roberts joining with the left, saying that the Trump administration failed to provide a good reason for adding the citizenship question. Why do they have to even have a reason at all is my question. Why is it the court's concern what their reasoning is? In fact, they went a step further than the majority today. They said it was contrived. The Trump administration's reason for having a citizenship question was contrived. Now, the issue's not dead. It's still going to be examined. And the president has said today, we're going to get more information on this. And the issue's not over yet. But I'll tell you what. Justice Clarence Thomas, who's terrific, 
he wrote a scathing rebuttal, a scathing dissent to the claim that, yeah, you know what, this this question was contrived, and we have to check the administration's motivations on here. No, in fact, what Justice Clarence Thomas said today was that this is done particularly because the courts don't like Trump. That's it. Lower court didn't like Trump, and that's where they made their ruling, and the Supreme Court should say it's irrelevant. Move on. He said, quote, unable to identify any legal problem with the secretary's reasoning, the secretary of commerce, the court imputes one of the one of concluding that he must not be telling the truth. The court therefore upholds a decision of the district court, which in turn was transparently based on the application of an administrative specific standard. According to the court, something just seems wrong. This conclusion is extraordinary, he writes. They engage in an unauthorized inquiry into evidence not properly before the court to reach an unsupported conclusion. And they did so based on the fact that they just don't like the president. Eh, they just don't like the guy. So we're going to look around and say, well, we don't really think your uh, your reasoning is valid. So we're just going to say no. He says the court's erroneous decision in this case is bad enough as it unjustifiably interferes with the 2020 census. But the implications of today's decision are broader. With today's decision, the Supreme Court has opened a Pandora's box of pretext-based challenges in administrative law. Now, the question of whether or not the executive branch can add a citizenship question to the U.S. Census is going to be a debate. The court didn't say they couldn't. The court just said, we just we don't like your motivation here. We, we're just not sure that you're really, you know, that your reasoning was really up and up. Hey, you know what? It's not your business. The president was elected president, right? It's He was elected, and he's said now, and he wants to say, he wants to have a count of the citizens. And Congress, and by extension the Secretary of Commerce, can inquire about citizenship on the census questionnaire. While the question of whether the executive branch can add a citizenship question to the U.S. Census is in debate, they did indicate today that Congress could include such a question themselves if they wanted to. Now, it's unsettled right now. Illegal aliens shouldn't be counted in a census used to draw electoral maps. That should just be the reason. That should just be the reason. The reason should just be, listen, uh, justices, here's the deal. If you're here illegally and you're an illegal alien, you shouldn't be represented in Congress. That's it. Just that simple. I challenge you to find a country on Earth where you sneak into their country and they go, you know, now your needs are our needs. So we're going to make sure that we, we keep you in mind as we're voting. Nobody on Earth would, would think that was rational. That's it. That's the only explanation you need. That's it. What happened is along the way, uh, there was a, a search of somebody's desk, one of the attorneys, and he made some stupid comment about how this may help certain voters. And there were questions about whether or not this was racially motivated or not. No, it's not racially motivated in any way, shape or form. It's just common sense. I do think ultimately the president will prevail on this, but it's just a good reminder of how much the courts still matter. It's just a great reminder of that fact because John Roberts, again, siding with the liberals, because John Roberts is the kind of guy that doesn't like to be the one who upsets. He just it seems to me like he's a guy that he's very much of the mindset of if it's too controversial, I don't want to be the deciding vote on this. You know, if it's overturning Obamacare, I, I don't want to be the guy. So let me save it. If it's if it's adding a citizenship question, I don't want to be the guy that does that. So I'll side with the left and we'll just punt it for a while and kick it down the road. The president was elected. He's, he's a, the elected president of the United States, the executive branch of government. And he wants to find out how many people in this country and it's the executive branch charged with doing the count are here legally and not legally. How many people are U.S. citizens and not U.S. citizens? It's so incredibly basic. It's so incredibly logical. But you have courts today and you have judges who are very outspoken 
I think, incredibly outspoken about how much they don't like the president. And the lower court, their reasoning was just based on that fact. Yeah, we just, the guy, well, we don't like the guy. We think the guy just doesn't want to re- have illegal immigrants represented in Congress. Yeah, exactly. Well, now we don't like that. Why not? Well, because his reasoning's bad. What's his reasoning? Well, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't think illegal immigrants should be counted. No, he does want to count them. Oh, you mean he doesn't want to count them towards seats in the House of Representatives? You're right. He doesn't. And if you don't count them, then you could just take the population a mess. Let's say there's a, say you have a district. It's got, I don't know, 4 million people in it. And the decision becomes, does that district get a seat in Congress or does it lose a seat in Congress based on the, the, the characteristics of the district, based on the demographics and everything, and ultimately the population count? If you find out a couple hundred thousand of those people are not U.S. citizens, that's going to be a game changer. And that means California, Texas, some of these other blue states, New Mexico, they could lose some seats. And that's why this is such a battle. That's what it comes down to. The power of the blue states to be able to just have just this command of electoral votes and a command of seats in Congress, the command of having that ability, and also paving the way for people who are here illegally to be able to vote. Let's be honest, they want that too. We see it all across the board. And if you don't distinguish between them in terms of representation, then you're going to have more people in there who are trying to give them the ability to vote. You'll have more people in Congress, for example, who will do things like the House of Representatives did earlier this year, which is pass a a bill saying we are not going to get involved if states want to let illegal immigrants vote, as they're doing in California. We're not going to do anything about it. We're not going to get involved. The The more times that you have that ability for states to pick up more seats in the House in congressional redistricting, because you're not distinguishing between illegal immigrants or not, gives the ability to flip states. It also gives the ability to put so much more power in the hands of the of the left in, in the House. And then ultimately now, you're going to have people in there who are going to be working for the very people they're not supposed to be working for, which are the people who are not U.S. citizens. And that's the ultimate game. That's the ultimate game plan down the road to ensure that people who are not here legally, people who are not U.S. citizens, get the ability to vote for people who will make them the priority. And that's why the president wants to have the count. That's why the president wants to stop this nonsense. That's why the president wants to say we are going to have representation based on who really is a United States citizen. So incredibly basic. Thanks, John Roberts. Thanks for nothing. Once again, John Roberts, thanks for nothing. 877-381-3811 is the number for the Mark Levin Show. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. In for the great one. Fellow Levinites coming right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. So John Roberts sides with the lefties on the court again, just like Obamacare. And now the president can't find out in a census who are United States citizens for the purpose of apportioning seats in the House of Representatives. Also, money, too, because they use that for money, because everything's money, right? So it's all that. So now we have a situation where it's going to have to go back to court and then back to court again. I think ultimately he'll prevail because the good news is that the Supreme Court said you really do have the right to do it. They really do. And the Supreme Court of the United States today really affirmed the president has the right to ask the question. See, that's the good news in all this. They have the right to ask the president of the United States, the executive branch of government, Secretary of Commerce, Congress has the right to ask the question. So what we're debating now is the motivation behind asking the question, and which is which is this is stupid. And we're dealing with somebody's state of mind again. It's we're doing the state of mind thing. And so for that reason, now we can't right away do it. And that's just crazy. The Mark Levin Show, Rich Zioli in for the great one. Great to have you with us tonight. Eight seven seven. 381-3811. Jose is in the Bronx. Jose, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Go ahead. Yeah, so there was evidence that the court looked at um, that the question was designed to suppress Hispanic U.S. citizen voters from being counted because they may have a household member who is an illegal immigrant and I think that's something that uh, the court looked at and said, wait a second, if this question has an effect to undercount U.S. citizens who happen to be Latinos, um, then that's something that really should be looked at. And for that reason, the question is not allowed at this stage. Uh, so I think John Roberts got it right. And you complain about John Roberts, but he really um, sided with uh, the conservatives in regard to the gerrymandering. And as you know, most state houses are controlled by. Well, let's focus on this case. Let's, fo- let's, let's focus. Let's focus on this case for now. So your argument is that if somebody is has an illegal immigrant in their home, they won't want to answer the census because they might be what caught because they're doing something illegal. That's not. That's not my argument. That's what the court looked like. That's what the court looked at. No, that's really not what the court looked at. But that's your argument, though, that somebody may hide, may be doing something illegal. Therefore, they won't want to answer the census. Maybe they won't want to turn in their grandmother who came here illegally. Yeah. Okay. I guess then the question then becomes: Why are they? Why are they doing something that's illegal in the first place? I mean, if I'm doing drugs out of my house, do I not answer the census because I don't want them to catch me? Because. I mean, that logic doesn't make any sense. You realize that, right? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Thanks for the call to the Mark Levin Show. Appreciate that. I'll touch on the other point that you made. The other point being that this would undercount people. It's wrong. I'll tell you why. Straight ahead, Mark Levin Show. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, 
It remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. The only show with a warning label for liberals. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. And it is your fellow Levinite from Philadelphia, Rich Zioli, the morning drive host on WPHT. Great to be with you tonight for my my great friend, Mark Levin, who's terrific. By the way, five weeks on the New York Times bestseller list now on Freedom of the Press. Get a copy of it. Five weeks. Number one, New York Times. Number one, New York Times bestseller list. So the question, of course, is whether or not the census is a trick designed to keep people from answering questions because we want to make sure that more white people are counted than than Latino or Latina or Latinx. I think you've heard by now, last night, Elizabeth Warren, she used the term Latinx, which apparently now is supposed to be Latinx, but she used Latinx. It's like Malcolm X, but Latinx. Anyway, last night she used that, and I didn't know what it was. Nobody did, because we don't live in Ivy Towers and colleges, and we are actually talking to real people. Latinos don't even know what it is. I mean, Julian Castro was up there last night as a Latino guy calling himself a Latino. And here's the college professor, you know, the, the fake Native American, right? I call her America's mother-in-law. That's what she reminds me of. Anyway, she's up there. She's using the academic Latinx, which is supposed to be a non-gender, non-binary way to refer to Latinos and Latinas, further proving that we've lost our minds, obviously, with political correctness. But that's so everybody Google that. And go, what is a Latinx? What is that? So anyway, uh, the idea that it's designed to suppress the count of, of Latin Xers is ridiculous. It's such a ridiculous notion. So the caller to the Mark Levin show before he goes, well, that's because uh, if they've got their grandmother in the house and she's illegal, they may not want to answer the census. Well, by that logic, then anybody who's doing anything illegal wouldn't want to answer the census. If I, I mean, if I've got a crack house, I'm not going to want to answer the census because now they might know there's all these people in my building because we're all making crack. I, I don't know if that's still a thing. I don't even know really if crack houses are still a thing. But assuming it's a thing, anything that anybody's doing that's illegal, they wouldn't want to answer the census. If you're harboring an illegal immigrant who's got deportation orders to leave, for example, well, that that could be construed as a crime, you know. Now, if it's your old grandma and that nobody even knows she's here and that sort of thing, I, I really don't think that's what the issue is. But the question would be better asked this way. If you've got four people, grandma upstairs hiding in the attic, Hiding out because we're we're reported down. You put down the four of you who are who are, and what's the problem here? Your citizens are going to be citizens. You said you're Latinx citizens, so why would you not be counted? No, the real reason why this is grandma's going to be deported. That's one of those scaremongering. points. The real reason it's being done is because it's not about grandma in the attic or, or basement. Grandma, I don't know where grandma goes these days. Part of the house. Treat grandma right, all right? She's 
this case. No, the reason is because you've got you've got town. Towns where there are huge populations knows that and everybody knows where they are. So that now their votes are mattering in elections. Billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars in federal funds. You're talking about seats in the House of Representatives. Of electors to the Electoral College. You have to make sure that the people who are getting the representation. And I'm talking about people who are, whether they're harboring a fugitive in the basement or not, be represented of representatives. That's the purpose of a represent, representative government. A small R Republican government is we have representatives who represent our needs. In the House of Representatives, it's done by population. Only 435 seats. You got to figure out where those go. So why is it fair to me that somebody would have more rep- other state would have more representation in the House, thus more power immigrants than I do. And so they're getting an extra seat in Congress, and my state's losing a seat because we don't have who are being counted for the purposes of the census. Where's the fundamental... I mean, I'm the one... I'm I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm afforded representation, and I don't know of another country on Earth that says, you are you represented. We're going to make sure you're represented. We're gonna, we got your back. We're going to take care of you. We, we're going to legislate with your needs in mind. 773813811. But no, the court was not worried about the attic or basement. They, that was not the issue. The issue was, in fact, this is probably constitutional to do this. A separate 5 4 vote with all the conservative justices in the Constitution does not, in theory, pre- one from adding a citizenship question. Part of the ruling, the justices want the issue back to the Commerce Department. A different rationale for requiring people taking part in the census to declare. So it's the rationale. It's not the con. Not because we're really afraid that people are not going to answer the question. It's because rationale. But they're admitting the Supreme Court to ask the question is entirely constitutional. And I can't. I always do this test since I'm broadcasting from Philadelphia today from 5.30 to 9 a.m. I always do this test. If the founding fathers were sitting around Philadelphia and they're having beers, they're having drinks. They drank a lot of beer back then. The water was terrible in Philadelphia. I don't know if it's any better now, to be honest with you. I try to avoid drinking it. I try to avoid doing anything involved with the city of Philadelphia. If I buy a soda, though, I have to pay a soda tax. Luckily, I live in Jersey, so I can smuggle my soda over the bridge. But that's for another show. But the point is, when the founders would sit around, they would sit at a pub, you know, and talk things out at a tavern. Think about this logic test I always do. They're sitting around, and they say, should we count citizens only in the census? Or what about people who aren't citizens? Now, back then, we didn't have a problem with people coming over the southern border. That wasn't a big thing. But we did have a lot of diplomats who'd come here and business people for a long time. You know... The, the the high-speed rail wasn't working back then. You had to come by ship, and you were here for a while, months at a time, clips at a time. Diplomats wouldn't come for the weekend. They'd come for a while. Some of them would stay here. They'd have kids here. It's why the 14th Amendment never applied to them. Just being born on U.S. soil was not automatically would make you a citizen because you'd have ambassadors, diplomats, business people who'd be here for months, sometimes years at a time. 
And the notion that we would count them for the census to then allocate seats in the House of Representatives is so illogical that they would never even believe it. They would say, well, how easy then would it be to just invite people over here and then let them stay and then we could trigger because one seat in the House back then could have made all the difference in a lot of very, very close legislative fights, obviously, including even slavery. So the notion that we're going to sit around and we're, we're not going to just, we're not going to count U.S. citizens. We're going to count U.S. citizens and also diplomats and their kids and foreign business people and their kids and anybody else so that we can make sure that that state has the right representation in Congress is ridiculous. Obviously, certain states had more foreign visitors, uh, visitors, more foreign business people, more diplomats, more ambassadors coming to visit than others. You would give an unfair advantage to certain states if that's how it worked. But again, why deal with logic? 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Let's go to Michael. He's in Woodbridge, Virginia. Michael, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Yes, Rich. I just have to enjoy the fact that now we've got the left on record because essentially the left filed the lawsuit. It wasn't a conservative that filed the lawsuit as supporting foreign interference in U.S. elections because that's what this boils down to. Apportionment means that you're changing how the money is spent, how the power is exercised, who gets what services, and how many seats are available on the left, the right, the middle, whatever it is. This is the importation of 11 to 25 to 30 million, whatever it is, foreigners for the purpose of affecting electoral politics in the United States of America, which is something that supposedly the left has despised for the last three or four years because the Russians did it. So I'm actually enjoying this. That's an excellent point. It's just amazing. Excellent point, my friend. Michael, well done. All right, Michael. Good job. Eight five eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Robert is in Brooklyn, New York. Robert, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to say I think it's outrageous uh, that uh, President Trump, like Clarence Thomas said, is not being treated with the normal deference that a president is supposed to get. Um, now it's almost like the default for Trump is innocent until proven guilty, that he has to provide a reason for asking a question that they've been asking in the 1950s. If President Eisenhower asked, under his administration, they asked the question. So it's outrageous that to have a president elected by the people, by over 30 states, being treated as a second-class president, that he, has to, that, that he doesn't have the deference, that he has to prove that it's kosher what he's doing. I think it's outrageous. And, um, you know, I mean, if they don't respect our president, why should we have to respect the chief justice? I mean, you know, it's not right. It's just totally inappropriate. And even during the travel ban, it it came up that you had the Kagan who started asking, bringing up Kristallnacht, the nerve to make have so little respect to our president. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. And, and Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas points that out by saying this is really because the lower court doesn't like the guy. That's what we're basing all this on. So we're, we're agreeing it's constitutional to ask the question. We're dealing with the reasoning because the reasoning they put forward is enforcement of the Voting Rights Act, because you and me as citizens, we have a right, a federal right to vote, we have federal protection to vote. And the court says, well, we don't like that justification. We, we don't think that's that's sincere. So we're not going to let this go forward. 
I, and I agree with you. Any other president, they would not have said, they would not make it personally about him and his uh, ulterior motives and motivations. They would just use the facts, right? Just the facts, ma'am. That's what they would use. You're exactly right. Thanks for the call to the Mark Levin Show. Appreciate that. 877-381-3811. The great one is off. He's traveling, but he's got a great show coming up this weekend. Life, Liberty, and Levin, Sunday, 10 p.m. on Fox News. His guest, businessman Forrest Lucas. We're talking about capitalism versus socialism. And if you watch the Democrat circus last night, the I call them the lesser candidates, the 10 on the stage last night, because none of them have a chance of becoming president. There was one guy, the former governor of Colorado, John Hickenlooper. He was he, they mistook him for a member of the media. Nobody knows who the guy is. He's polling at about one percent. So he got there last night and he walks into the room and they, tr- they, they try to sit. I'm not even joking. They try to sit him in the back with the press. They didn't know the guy was a presidential candidate. So that guy's got a real strong shot, I think, of being of beating Donald Trump, right? He's got such a strong shot that he gets to the debate and they go, oh, uh, you must be a reporter. No, I'm John Hickenlooper, the former governor of Colorado. Uh, sure you are. Uh, go sit there in the back. No, really, I belong on the stage. Well, then why are you walking in like a dope off the street? What, do you have staff members, some people that can, I don't get you on the stage? What do you do, like walk, you park your car in the general lot? How, how does this work exactly? But that's that's the thing. So tonight is the is the I would say the main candidates, Biden and also, of course, Bernie Sanders, the godfather of socialism. Bernie the Red, smart calls him. And tonight's going to be all about socialism because they're pushing this party further and further to the left. It's going to be just incredibly unrecognizable. Now you have Elizabeth Warren, America's mother-in-law, going on record and saying she wants to destroy private health insurance. This is where things are going here. And it's crazy. And it's doing them no service whatsoever. Uh, Don is in Burbank, California. Don, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Yeah, I just wanted to say it does make sense what the Supreme Court did if you follow the logic of the Missouri Compromise before the Civil War, where three-fifths of a black person counted. Remember all the white people who were elected by white people to vote for the slave population. That's what they're doing right now. They have the illegal immigrant population, but only the Democrats do the voting for them. I don't understand the comparison of the three-fifths compromise. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not following you there. Before the Civil War, Hello. because there were a great number of slaves, the South protested that they had a large population of slaves, and they were entitled to representation. And it was right, so the aboli- so the, right, so the northern abolitionists said we're, we're not going to do that for the purposes of giving you more seats in the House of Representatives. That's, that's correct. But ha- what does that have to do with this question right now? Because it's so dishonest by having just some white people vote on behalf of other people so that they can have power. I, I really, I, I honestly, Don, I'm just not following you. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, the three-fifths compromise has nothing to do with this. That was, that was in, to ensure that, because the South was going to count the slaves but not give them the right to vote. So they said, well, don't do that because then you're going to have more power. You have more seats in the House of Representatives, more money, and then slavery will never go away. It was done by the Northerners, by the abolitionists. So to ensure that the southern states would not have more seats in the House of Representatives. But nobody's trying to take away anybody's right to vote here. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who are U.S. citizens and the question of whether or not they are U.S. citizens or not. 
That's it. We're not trying to suppress one population or another. We're not trying to to do any political tricks with this. We're not trying to have an outcome that is different by doing something. The three-fifths compromise was designed to do it to, for the purpose of the outcome of ensuring the southern states would not dominate in the House. We're not trying to do anything here other than ensure that U.S. citizens are properly accounted for for the purposes of apportionment. That's it. That's it. No other motive. Nothing like that. Just want to know the number of citizens so we can treat, you know, fairly make sure they are represented in their in their Congress. That's it. Very basic. Name to me another country on earth that would say you got here illegally. You don't have a right to be here. In fact, you, you're breaking laws by being here. But we're going to represent you while you're here. It's ludicrous. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin, 877-381-3811. Coming right back. Mark Levin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. She makes stupid claims all the time about things they don't understand. And what I love about the Mark Levin Show is Mark tries to clear that up as best as possible. So when I'm in for the great one, I try to do the same. Rich Zioli with you from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia, where, of course, the Constitutional Convention was held. Now, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, This they bring this up all the time. They, they always do this. They twist it to make it whatever they want it to be. So now the 14th Amendment justifies everything from same-sex marriage to, I'm sure, uh, abortion rights for trans women who are... Men who can't get pregnant and thus can't have an abortion. But that's Julian Castro's big. That was his big woke moment from last night's debate. I'll get into the debate a little bit later in the show. Because they use the word people in the section two of the 14th Amendment provides that the House representatives shall be apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state. The Census Act of 1790 provides for the enumeration of the inhabitants of the United States. Now, ask yourself this question. In the 14th Amendment, when it was passed, who did they consider to be here in this country? Did we have a big influx of illegal immigrants? No. But much citizenship and much like with counting for the purposes of representation. We don't count. Us. We have people that come long. And this is very important. We wanted to make sure that we were counting freed slaves. Remember, after the Civil War, see now slavery is illegal and people are going their way. Now classifying people. 
That's why the people is in there. Four people. They're, they should be represented in the House of Representatives. Twist this to say it should be illegal immigrants. Never the... Never ever the idea. The Mark... Coming right back with debate analysis straight ahead. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. border. Lo and behold, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats say, yes, look, a crisis at the border. But wasn't this a manufactured crisis by Trump to help him politically? Isn't that what they were saying? Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Hour two. The great one is off tonight. And I am with you tonight. Rich Zioli, your fellow Levinite out of Philadelphia, Mark's hometown. Great to be with you tonight. 877-381-3811. I thought this was a manufactured crisis. It's, uh, that's what I was told over and over and over and over and over again. In just a minute, I'm going to play a little montage proving that point. But now, apparently, it's a crisis. So tonight, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, it's a big defeat for her. The Senate got their way on this, the border funding bill. That ain't this quote from CNN, the humanitarian crisis. On Thursday, passed a Senate version of a border funding bill that aims to address the humanitarian crisis following outrage and an outpouring of emotion floor from progressives. The vote was 305 to 102. Nancy Pelosi can't keep her, her team together, her, her caucus together. She can't do it because there's so many wackos on the left there, and she's trying to... They don't want anything. They, they want nothing. They beds for detention centers because they don't want anyone to be kept in a detention just walk out of this company Wayfair because Wayfair had the for kids who detention centers or actually at the office of refugee resettlement and there's a walkout over that because they don't want them to have beds I guess it sounds he said the children come first Nancy Pelosi said the children first at the end of the day we have to make sure that the not engage in the same disrespectful behavior that this ignoring our priorities. She actually even she has three, four priorities: children, children, children. children. Kid you not. So for the children, now they pay. behold. Who knew we have a crisis at the border? This montage was put together a little while ago, and. Uh, it was done by Graby, and th- this is a whole little group of people now who are going on about a lot of CNN people in this. Don Lemon, that Cuomo, the lesser Cuomo, as I call him, a bunch of people in here. People, a lot of MSNBC people, they're kooks. Fody and Trump. What? Here's my question: Are you convinced? Last ditch effort to persuade Americans that ISIS at the southern border. Did it work? This is a manufactured crisis. At the hall, a bunch of lies. We have a president who will go on TV tonight and lie some more. This is a manufactured crisis. Because it was a crisis. They were being overrun. 
manufactured about this. Yeah. Uh, there's no crisis. It's a matter. This is a manufactured crisis. He's taking 800,000 federal employees hostage so he can get his vanity wall. So he's created this crisis. It's a manufactured crisis. This whole mess is manufactured. It's a manufactured crisis. A non-crisis at the border that's really not fooling anybody. All the elected officials, including Republican colleagues, all state that this is a manufactured crisis and a crisis that uh, manufactured by the Trump administration. This whole thing is absurd. It is a completely manufactured, you know, appeal to the ugliest sentiments. And then, frankly, you know, I wonder about our complicity in just talking about this. It's complete and utter nonsense trying to solve a problem that, in fact, doesn't exist because... There's zero net illegal immigration coming across the southern border. He's determined to convince you there is a crisis at the border. They're playing the public. You, for suckers. You got it? Suckers. So the manufactured, all made up. The whole thing was made up by Trump. The whole thing's a, now it's a crisis, you see. Now it's a crisis. Wasn't a crisis then, crisis now. Then it was manufactured now, no longer manufactured. Isn't it amazing, too, how they all use the same words? I always wonder that. I always marvel at that. They're always so good about saying the exact same things over and over and over again. It's almost like the media has a goal, right? Like the media has an agenda. As Mark talks about in his book on freedom of the press, they do. They absolutely do. That's why you hear all these talking heads from various networks going on and on about the crisis, the crisis, the manufacturer, and they all say the same words. It's like a drinking game. They all say the same words. They're given their talking points and then just go, 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 run with it, go. And it's crazy, but... As Mark talks about on Freedom of the Press, it's exactly what the media does. They push a narrative. They're there to push a narrative. So then it was manufactured. Now it's a humanitarian crisis. And now we don't have enough money. We're not doing enough. And all we should do is focus on the crisis. See how things change? See how things change and how quickly things change? Now, this is funny, too, because CNN actually acknowledged that this did not start with Trump. You have all these people who are going out there today and they're saying things like, you know, this and you're going to hear more about this tonight in the Democrat debate. If you watch, they're saying things such as this. This is an awful, awful crisis. And it's so mean what's happening. And we should be welcoming to the children and hugging the children and giving them teddy bears and everything else as they come over the border. Cotton candy, water slides, slip and slides. I don't know if you can use slip and slides. I Probably not. I, probably with the way that parents are put in jail for leaving their kids alone. If you gave your kids a slip and slide, you'd probably be taken off to the Hooskow. But uh, those are great when I was a kid. I don't think I'd let my kids play with them. I'm not sure. Four-and-a-half-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old. I don't know if my parents would approve, but you get the point. Kids should be given games at the border. Not told not to come here. John King from CNN makes the point that this did not begin under Donald Trump. In fact, it was President Barack Obama who told people, don't come here. Don't bring your kids here. As you'll hear in this clip, cut five. I just want to remind people that under President Trump, the Democrats don't like anything he says about immigration. He's had problems with his own party on immigration. But this particular issue is not new. I just want to go back. This is an interview going back to 2014 with the then Democratic president of the United States. There are some Democrats who come to the table and say Trump created this crisis. This is all about Trump. Uh, it may be escalated under Trump. The numbers are certainly higher under Trump. But this has been a problem the United States government has had to figure out a solution to for a very long time. The problem is, is that under current law, once those kids come across the border, there's a system in which we're supposed to process them, take care of them, until we can send them back. So is, is your so message don't come? Oh, our message absolutely is don't send your children 
unaccompanied uh, on trains or through, uh, through a bunch of smugglers. That is our direct message to the families in Central America. Do not send your children to the borders. If they do make it, they'll get sent back. Why? 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 That was five years ago this week. It's five years ago this very week in the sense that, again, uh, you know, there are, there's a current divide. The current president evokes emotions among Democrats. A lot of progressives weren't happy with that president, President Obama. They called him the deporter in chief. Uh, but this has been this issue has been unresolved, different pieces of it for 20 plus years uh, about unaccompanied children. Uh, that's a clip from five years ago this week. When? How? And I thought they were supposed to come here and be given lollipops and games and, and clowns. Although, actually, clowns are terrifying to kids, so I wouldn't do that. That would, that would be cruel. And kids freak out with clowns. I don't know why parents keep bringing cl- clowns to parties. It's very triggering for them. Anyway, that was five years ago. Obama said, don't come. Now, in fact, it's so bad that you have the geniuses on The View. Joy Behar, she's a, she's a true mental patient, this woman. Now suggesting that we're only doing this because the kids who are coming here are brown. We have Mexican kids and, and Central American kids and... Even though there's people coming from other countries as well through the poorest southern border. But 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 if they were from a certain country in the world, it would not be like this. No way. Cut six. I'm asking since we we do this for people who are against us when we we don't we don't put people in squalid conditions. So if we do it for our enemies, why are we not doing it for for children? A lack of empathy. Well, um, yeah. I think a lack of of, uh, of caring. Um, I think because this administration doesn't care. I think uh, when you have 24 immigrants that have died in ICE custody since the Trump administration, you have at least seven children that are known to have died in immigration custody since last year. For almost a decade before, no child has died in immigration custody before yeah. the Trump administration. Ask yourself, we have seven, well, can I, ask yourself can I if those kids were from Norway, would this be happening? No. Okay. Why would kids from Norway be sneaking in through the southern border? Uh, that's my question. Why would kids from Norway be trying to sneak in through the Rio Grande? Grande? Why would they do that? They wouldn't do that. But if kids from Norway did try to sneak in, say, on a commercial flight... And they try to sneak through the airport. I'm, I'm pretty sure they'd be stopped. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there would be a problem with that. Now, I could be wrong, but I don't think we have an open door policy for, for Norway that we just don't have for any other country in the world. Well, you're Norwegian, so come on in. Don't even, you don't even need paperwork. What she's getting to though is, of course, because the people in Norway might be white. I don't know if Norway is as white as Vermont is, where Bernie Sanders, of course, is a U.S. senator, but it might be close. It's hard to say. Might be close. But no, we don't just say, well, you're, you're white, so come on in. It's not how it works. You come in through a port of entry and you don't have paperwork, there's a problem. If you're a U.S. citizen and you try to come back into the country without paperwork, there's a problem for you too. This is not just something we do at the border. And nobody is making people come here for the purposes of tricking them to trap them into a concentration camp, as, as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez so dumbly puts it. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's trying to trick people. Just like when Obama said it five years ago this week, and just like how the president's saying it now, if they come here, we have to take care of them. We got to deal with it. So please don't come. And don't risk people, don't risk dying. See, that's a very, that comment that nobody's died in, uh, under ICE custody before Trump is not true. The fact is that there were a lot of people who unfortunately they couldn't save. They tried bringing them to hospitals and that sort of thing. People have drowned in the, in the river. It is a very dangerous crossing. That, picture you've seen of the dad and his daughter face down drowned in in water it's a terrible it's a very sad picture 
But why is that Donald Trump's fault that people risked this incredibly dangerous journey to get to the United States of America? Is this new that they weren't doing this before? I mean, there you hear Obama say five years ago, don't come. It's dangerous, putting your kids at risk. Don't do it, and we're going to turn you back. But now, it's, it, it's, it's only dangerous now. Now that Trump's there, it's suddenly become dangerous. Before, it was a cakewalk. Before, you know, there were, there were Cinnabons on the route, rest stops like on the Jersey Turnpike. Now, but now under Trump, now, now it's just desert now. Desert and cacti and lizards and rivers. And suddenly now, it's a terrible, dangerous crossing. It's so dumb. The president just tweeted out about this humanitarian aid bill. I'll tell you about it and what's going to happen now and who will be happy and who won't be happy with this bill. And you may not be happy. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. It is the Mark Levin Show. The great one's out tonight. Rich Zioli from Philadelphia. I'll tell you the debate last night. What a circus. And round two of the circus is going to be tonight with the uh, with the head clown Bernie Sanders there. And I'm very excited about that. Very excited to watch his interpretation of democratic socialism because i'm sure the moderators are really going to press him to this right i'm sure they're really going to press him on this the mark levin show straight back mark levin Sorry, we're having some technical difficulties. Apologies. Rich Zioli in for the great one. A little bit of technical difficulties. We'll be fixing it. I blame the Russians attempting to collude with my program or possibly, I guess I would imagine, also the Democrats trying to collude with the program. No worry. It'll be fixed. Apologies for that. The uh, It's still better entertainment, even when it's breaking up, than the Democrat debate. So look at it that way. It's still much more entertaining then the Democrat debate will be at 9 o'clock. So look on the bright side. Also, I should mention to you, since the great one is out tonight, his TV show, which is on Fox News, which is never breaking up. That's Sunday, 10 p.m., Life, Liberty, Live In, this Sunday, 10 p.m. on Fox News. And great segment coming up on capitalism. Capitalism versus socialism, which is a big part of the debate tonight, the Democrat debate tonight. Once again, they are all running up the flag for socialism. In a big way, forcing each other to go further to the left. All right, we have all the technical difficulties fixed. From now on, we are just rolling straight ahead. On the Mark Levin Show, Rich Zioli in for the great one. The question is, who will go lefter than left tonight in the out-lefty-each-other contest? Straight ahead. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Conservative fire. 
The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. The one silver lining, Supreme Court, is that they said we can't get involved in state gerrymandering cases. The one silver lining today in the Supreme Court fiasco that has become our country. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. Mark Levin Show, the great one's out tonight. Rich Zioli from his hometown of Philadelphia, 877-381-3811. I don't know about you, but it seems to me like whenever the Supreme Court decides it doesn't want to play God, it's a good thing for everybody. It's a very, very good thing. And today on the gerrymandering case, they said, you know what? We can't get involved in this. This has got to be left up to the states and their people and the people that are elected. Why is it? Why is this an issue? Uh, Because, once again, you have the liberal justices on the court saying, no, no, we're here to right all the wrongs. So if there's a gerrymandering case, as it is, here's how they do this. When they redraw the districts, right, they redraw the congressional districts after the census is done, then they figure out where the districts are going to go. And the question becomes, are they gerrymandering the districts or are they doing it fairly? Are they doing it to help people? Are they doing it to ensure that, say, the incumbents get reelected? Are they moving towns into different districts for the purposes of keeping people in this district versus that district? I mean, the representatives. If they got to lose a seat and they figure out we're going to get rid of one seat and then we're going to move some towns into here, all that becomes the factors for redistricting. When it's called partisan gerrymandering, the idea is that they're playing funny games. I'm moving this town out of this district for this outcome. Now, Once again, this is done by states. States set the rules of the elections. This has always been, from the founding of our country, has always been the way it works. The states run the elections. They set the rules, period. That's it. That's how it works. The feds don't get involved, even in federal elections. It's the states that do it. Now, over the years, we've passed laws that give the feds more power at all this, but that's not the issue, right? The issue is whether or not the states are in control, and the states are in control. And that's what the point is. The Supreme Court said today, you know, we're not getting involved in this. And then the justices, the liberal justices came along and said, but we're here to right the wrongs. That's our job. No, it's not your job. In the 5-4 opinion with the liberal justices going, but we're, but what about us? What about us? No, the majority's right to say when it comes to redistricting, we got to stay out of it. The federal government, the federal courts have to stay out of it. This affects my state of Pennsylvania, where I'm broadcasting from today. Because the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania played all kinds of funny games to ensure that they could get the outcome that they wanted, which is why more Democrats now in Congress from Pennsylvania than before. But I don't want the feds jumping in every time that there's games that are being played. I want to deal with the fact that we can we can elect judges in this state or the governor or the members of the legislature. We, we can do things like that to to govern ourselves, which is how it's supposed to be done. But I'll tell you what, to read some of the opinions, some of the dissents. From Sotomayor and Kagan and, and RBG, as they affectionately call her, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's 182 years old. That's They believe, truly, the Supreme Court is the, the ultimate lifesaver. And if there's an issue, there's the court there to bail them out. The states set the rules. The states will make the districts. This also plays into the other case regarding citizenship, because when John Roberts decided with the left, once again, to say, we don't like the basis for the question of asking whether or not people are citizens from the census... They did that because this also affects those very same congressional districts. It also affects that as well. And if the left has their way, let's face it, you are going to have maps that are drawn to ensure that all Democrats get elected. They'll do whatever they have to do. They'll move towns around to make sure this and make sure that. And by counting people here illegally, they'll make sure that they have more congressional seats. 
and they'll tip the balance in their favor. And that is the problem. That is the problem with not allowing the the census to ask the citizenship question. That is the issue. 877-381-3811 on the Mark Levin Show. Uh, Ernest is in Nashville, Tennessee. Ernest, thanks for the call. Hey, thank you for the call, Rich. Great show. Thank you, sir. A couple of things to consider. Uh, Completely disappointed about this Judge Roberts or the Supreme Court decision about uh, the the census. What I find ironic is he's, he's, well, a couple of things to consider. He's saying they didn't like the rationale for the administration to include, uh, are you or are you not a citizen? They basically were asking again, what was your intent where have we heard that before? I mean, literally, what was your intent? When does that come into play? It's either right or it's wrong. And then the administration's case in this in this point, they're completely in the right to have asked that question. Along that line, think of if the administer if the Supreme Court had agreed with the administration today. Think of the big chill that he would have put or the court would have put on illegal immigration into the country immediately. It could have possibly prevented more illegals coming into the country. But more importantly, the states that are the recipients of those illegals would say, whoa, 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 don't come here. They're not going to count you. We're not going to get those federal dollars. Imagine the chill he could have done, but instead he punted it to a lower court. And then a couple things to consider. California is rumored to have maybe three million illegals. Right. It's 33 million inhabitants. That's four or five congressional seats. Yeah. I could be wrong on the math. But if that's four or five congressional seats, does that not disenfranchise tens of millions of voters across the country because we no longer have that representation? Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome, Ernest. Excellent call. You're exactly right. And that's what they want to do. They want to tip the balance so that they have all the power in the House of Representatives. Remember, when the nation was founded, we did it the right way before the 17th Amendment. The states sent their senators. The states decided how their U.S. senators would be uh, would go to Washington. Now we do it by popular vote. And as a response, you get a lot of grandstanders in the U.S. Senate, several of them running for, for president. Grandstanders, one and all. They, they, they run for Senate. They get elected. Now they go, well, I'll run for president now. I'm, I'm not there to represent my state. I'm there to represent myself and run for president. Think of how many U.S. senators are in this in, in this presidential race. It would never have been like that if we kept it the original way, which is the states send two representatives on their behalf in the Senate, and then those two people, their job is to advocate for the state before the federal government. But with the House, it's always done by population. There's a set number of seats, and then you move it accordingly based on population as people move and as people uh, leave a state, move to another state, so that's always fair, so that we have a representative form of government and we're not a democracy we are a small r republic and that is important point but they want to make it a democracy do they not they want to make it a democracy and they want to make it mob rule and they want to make it majority wins they want to make it majority wins on everything and so now this this is another attempt by them to just gain and seize power and the president's right to push back on and say no uh, this is about giving representation to u.s citizens in the house of representatives not to people who don't deserve the representation and they push back on it. It's a joke. 877-381-3811. Terry is in Laredo, Texas. Terry, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Good morning. Good, good morning. I'm used to talking to day shows. Good evening, Rich. How you doing? Very well, sir. <laughs> I'm yeah, used to hosting a morning show, so it's fine. Say good morning to me. It's fine. It's okay. 
<laughs> I got one observation to make, then I want to say something about this justice. First off, I am pretty certain that right now this evening, Nancy Pelosi is chain-smoking and taking shots like crazy. I think she's just lost her gavel because she's lost control of her party. Uh, blood I transfusions, feel- sir. She uses blood transfusions to get through the uh, stressful times. Yeah, I, I have no pity for that woman. Absolutely none. And secondly, your caller earlier discussing uh, the justice decision is thinking along the same lines that I am. If the Supreme Court will sit there and tell us that this is Congress's choice to do this and then turn around and come up with such a, uh, I mean, how do you base a Supreme Court decision on what you consider a man's mental state or his reasoning for bringing this up? That's got nothing to do with the fact this is a constitutional question. He's absolutely right. He had the right to ask his question and have his lawyers go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. I, you got me, brother. <laughs> I'll give you another way to look at it, Terry, too. When John Roberts affirmed Obamacare, right, when he saved Obamacare, when it was challenged in the Supreme Court, Roberts made it a tax. He did something that Congress did not do. Why didn't they use Obama's state of mind when Obama said it wasn't a tax uh, and, you know, you can keep your doctor and all that stuff? They never factored Obama's state of mind into that decision, right? But with Trump, they always do his state of mind because they always think we're going to find something there that's ulterior motives. And this comes from the lower courts and the Supreme Court should smack that down and say no that's not how we make decisions here we don't we don't go in thinking we know more than than in a person's heart or head we base it on the facts and the law does the president does the executive branch have the right to conduct the census this way yes then there you go is it constitutional ask the question yes has it been asked before yes away you go that's it period Terry, thanks for the call, brother. Appreciate it. On the Mark Levin Show, 877-381-3811. Well, I guess the crazies are getting ready to debate tonight, which is fantastic. I can't wait. I tell you what, I was thinking about this, too. If, if I were the president, I would not be worried for a second about this. I wouldn't be worried for a second about any of them. If I were Joe Biden, though, I'd be very, very worried because they keep pushing him further left. It is amazing how much they keep pushing him further left. And you know, you keep getting the question, too. Keep in the question of, will will Donald Trump accept the results of the 2020 election? This is the new thing that they do that I love. The idea that he'll lose and then he won't leave the White House. He'll barricade himself inside the White House and he just won't leave. And therefore, he'll be president forever. The stupidity of this is amazing. Now, think about it for a second. Say he does lose and I do not think he's going to lose. I'm telling you, I'm broadcasting from Pennsylvania and I see all economic indicators and all signs pointing towards his reelection. This is a state he's got to win and I see him winning it. But imagine if he doesn't for a second, then he just decides, well, I'm still president. I'm not going to leave. I'm staying in the White House. They have other places the president can work. It doesn't just have to be the White House. You know, the new president can go in another building and they can say, all right, you're, you're a guest. You're a I know D.C. has squatters law, so he can say he's a squatter and not leave. But does anyone actually believe that would happen? Now, you get a lot of reports from people saying he would not accept the results of the election. But Bernie Sanders was asked the question, would he accept it if he lost? Would he accept it? And Bernie doesn't answer. Bernie refuses to answer the question. In fact, Bernie says it was rigged last time. Yes, that's right. Their favorite, Bernie Sanders. He's now suggesting that he would have won had it not been rigged. Now, ask yourself this question. Why does this not get more media attention? Well, obviously, because the media is so biased. 
If Trump had said anything like this, there'd be cries of outrage of, oh, my God, he's a dictator. He's never going to leave. He's just going to stay there forever. Bernie suggests he got a raw deal. It was fixed. And then he won't say for sure whether or not he's actually going to concede the election. This is now a clip of him with Casey Hunt, Cassie Hunt on MSNBC. Bernie Sanders cut seven. Cut seven, Bill. Bernie Sanders on MSNBC. Casey Hunt. Cassie, Casey? If it's clear that you are not going to be the Democratic nominee, will you leave the race before the convention? I intend to be the Democratic nominee. But if you're not, you stated no, last I, uh, no. time, and some oh, people say wait, that but, you but, hurt but, but, Hillary some, Clinton's candidacy. Well, no, some people say that if maybe that system was not rigged against me, I would have won the nomination and defeated Donald Trump. That's what some people say. So I think we're going to play it out. I think I am excited. And so you would take the risk. I am you excited. Might Donald Trump are you asking that of every candidate? I'm I mean, saying if it's clear uh, 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 that you are not going to win not, the nomination, me, will well, you concede? Well, right now, we are planning to win the Democratic nomination. Now, you know what's fascinating about this is that he, he thinks it was rigged, right? He thinks it was rigged. So he's not going to say either way what happens if he loses. That's something right there, right? That it was rigged. Remember when they were all freaking out about Trump in the election? Would he accept the results of the election? And who's out there now but Democrats saying that the election was collusion and it was rigged by the Russians and on and on it goes. Now, that point is a good point to make, which is why the media covers up for them. As Mark Levin writes about in his great book on freedom of the press, five weeks now on the New York Times number one, I should say number one on the New York Times bestseller list. But I will tell you exactly why it is. That at this debate tonight, you're going to find out that we have gone so far crazy, they have disqualified themselves from winning a state like Pennsylvania over climate change. Rich Zioli for the great one, Mark Levin, coming straight back. Mark Levin. You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day. Do you feel bloated, tired and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit. But most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. As the candidates get ready for their communist debate tonight, Bill de Blasio, who's an out-and-out communist, he's a complete... This guy was down with the Sandinistas. He denies it, but he was. The mayor of New York City, they hate him there. They hate him. Ask anyone from New York. They hate the guy. In fact, I think he may win only because they want to get rid of him from their city, but that would be the only reason why people would vote for him. They hate him in New York. Well, now he's apologizing, and I can't believe he's apologizing, but it's amazing to me. See, he quoted Che Guevara. The lefties love Che Guevara. They, if you've ever been to a college dorm room, he's on posters of him are on walls. The hacky sack kids with the Rasta hats. They are the, the Che Guevara T-shirts. 
And so de Blasio quoted Che Guevara, of course, in Spanish, because that's the new thing now is they all they all everything's got to be pandering in Spanish. You got to do bilingual pandering, not enough to pander in English. You got to pander in English and Spanish. So bilingual grandstanding and, of course, bilingual pandering is now a requirement of the Democrat Party. So de Blasio came out and in Espanol, he said something stupid, quoting Che Guevara, the phrase until victory always. And so he's apologizing now because you know what? People in Florida are very upset by that because Che Guevara killed a lot of people. That's right. They, he killed their family members. The uh, the Democrats in Florida, they came out, they said, quoting a, a murderer responsible for death and oppression in communist Cuba and throughout Latin America is not acceptable. Please apologize. Many on strike are Cuban, by the way. The Blasio's remarks ricocheted through Miami's political circles as hometown Senator Marco Rubio, the son of Cuban refugees, mocked de Blasio and Democrats in general. He said, Bill de Blasio went to a rally at the Miami airport today and ended his speech by quoting from the murderous Che Guevara's farewell letter to Fidel Castro. But how dare anyone call him or any Democrat candidate a socialist? Now, A, I'm, I'm shocked he, he apologized. That's number one. I'm shocked about that. Remember, though, th this is the thing. you got to show your communist bona fides now. Bernie Sanders, Bernie the Red, as Mark calls him, Bernie Sanders from the whitest state in America, Vermont. Bernie loves the Russians. He loves the Soviets. He loves the Cubans. He loves all. Well, Bernie's always bringing up racism, so I love to get that dig in there whenever I can. He's always calling the president a racist, and the president's not. The president's been surrounded by diversity in his business his entire life, but Bernie, Vermont, not so much. Now, nah, look, I love Vermont. I'm just saying. Your politics are nuts. But they love Russia. They love Cuba. Bernie, they love saying nice things about Daniel Ortega, who was Nicaragua's leftist dictator leader. Maduro. I mean, it goes on and on. Sanders was criticized, by the way, by Florida Democrats and Republicans for refusing to call the Venezuelan dictator, Nicolas Maduro, a dictator. And of course, when they when they, they run around, the, the false narrative they use to people all the time is this. They say, look, here's the deal. Communism just hasn't been tried right. The people that tried it, Stalin, Che Guevara, C Castro, they just, they haven't done, Mao, they just didn't, do, it's them. You see, it's not the system, it's them. That's the big lie. It's the big lie from college kids and hacky sacks and Rasta hats. That, no, these are really, you know, the, the philosophy works, it's just... It's just the people that did it might have been a little murderous and a little bit genocidal. And the truth is you cannot have totalitarianism and uh, and have people survive. You just can't. It, it doesn't work that way. When you have communism, people die. It's how it works for a number of reasons. But number one, because you can't disagree with the state. You can't because you're not free. And number two, because there's not enough mouths to feed. And that's the truth as well. But they love Che Guevara. They believe in Che Guevara. Believe me, Bill de Blasio has a Che Guevara t-shirt. I, I would guarantee it. Hour three of the Mark Levin Show coming straight ahead. The great one's out. Rich Zioli from Philadelphia. What are they going to say tonight? Crazy town straight ahead. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. 
It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. And of course, the Democrats getting ready to debate who is the most socialist and who is the wokest. Wait till you hear what Julian Castro thinks defines woke. The great ones off tonight, Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Great to be with you tonight. 877-381-3811. Now, there is a level of insanity that is gripping this country. Honestly, I sometimes wonder if it's just too late to pull back the train, the crazy train. And last night during the debate, this is one of those moments where you, 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 you listen to this. You don't quite know if you've heard this because it's so incredibly ridiculous. Now, look, you, you can you can debate abortion. And I've got two beautiful adoptive adopted kids. I am very pro-life, but you, you can debate abortion politics, policies. You can debate when you can debate all those other things. Here's what you can't debate. You can't debate. Can a man have an abortion? Because men can't get pregnant, so therefore they can't have an abortion. I mean, this is just basic science. This is it basic science? And we were told that they're the party of science, and so they're always about science. But last night, Julian Castro, because science doesn't matter when you're dealing with whatever gender you want to be or think you are or strive to be. And it's one thing now, if you are, say you're a guy, and you decide you're actually a woman trapped in a man's body. And you are, in fact, you meet the requirement, you go, you have the surgery, you do it all. You got the surgery and now you're a woman, but you're, but you still can't have children. You, you, you can, you can get the breasts, you can get the lips, the hair, all of it, but you still can't birth a child. And that is just a biological fact, right? It's just a fact. It's one thing to debate whether or not people should use bathrooms uh, or play on sports teams, but we can't debate can men get pregnant. I just refuse to allow that level of crazy to take over the nation. At some point, you got to draw a line. Say, this is my line. We don't debate whether or not men can get knocked up and whether or not men can have abortions. Period. That's it. Just period. Right there. Stop. But this is the uh, Julian Castro last night at the debate on uh, on transgender abortion rights. Uh, cut number two. Would your plan cover abortion, Mr. Secretary? Uh, yes, it would. Uh, I don't believe only in reproductive uh, freedom. I believe in reproductive justice. Justice. And... You know, what that means is that just because a woman or let's also not forget someone in the trans community, a trans female, uh, is poor doesn't mean they shouldn't have that right to choose. And so I absolutely would. See, and they all clap. Yeah, trans female. Yeah, okay. So a trans female is a is a guy who, who became a woman, still can't get pregnant, still can't have an abortion, still can't reproduce. This is this is just the rules here. I don't, but they clap. They go, yeah, that's, that's woke. It's justice. It's insanity is what it is. It's lunacy. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't know how I just don't know how Democrats can look at that, watch that and go. I told I, yes, I relate to that. Guys getting pregnant. Yes, let's cheer and make sure that they've got rights. But when you're woke, the question is, how woke are you and how woke will you be? And then you have to prove your wokeness. You see, you have to prove your socialism. Now, one of the reasons why you're going to love reading on freedom of the unfreedom of the press, Mark Levin's number one bestseller book, five weeks in a row now on the New York Times bestseller list, is because he points out that the media is in the tank for the Democrats in a very, very detailed way throughout the course of our nation's history. One of the ways that I can prove that to you is that George Stephanopoulos, I joke that he's the unbiased journalist. The guy's not he's the least unbiased journalist in the world. He was a Democrat operative, as you know, for years. He worked for the Clintons, got Bill Clinton elected president. There's tapes of him in the war room with James Carville threatening reporters. The guy was a bully, and all of a sudden now he's ABC News chief political analyst. It's, just, it's, it's amazing how they're able to make that transition. That transition is actually more interesting to me than, than a guy becoming a woman and then trying to get pregnant. That, but, but the George Stephanopoulos transition, to go from being an absolute Democrat hack to being a fake unbiased journalist is amazing. But he pulled it off because it's ABC News. So, so they're a little worried now. You know, They're a little worried that perhaps the Democrats are playing right into the president's hands. And I don't know why they'd worry about that, right? Considering that you have Bill de Blasio quoting Che Guevara, Bernie Sanders, shirtless, drinking vodka in Russia on his honeymoon, in the Soviet Union on his honeymoon, singing Arlo Guthrie songs. Uh, de Blasio who vacations in Cuba. These guys are praising these Cuban monsters, these, these communist monsters throughout history. Why would anybody believe that they're playing right into the socialist hands? And of course, their policies, free this, free that, free Medicare for all, destroy the private health insurance system, raise taxes, give away the store. And Stephanopoulos is worried. You see, he wants a Democrat elected. He's very worried that they're they're not doing the right strategy. So the way he gets it across is by his commentary. So instead of picking up the phone like he used to and just advising candidates and get a check for it, what he does now is he gets a check from ABC News and then he gives them his advice over the airwaves. This makes it easier. As you'll hear, cut one. Cut one. And the president and Republicans hoping to make a target of the Democrats' plans, particularly on the economy and health care. Uh, absolutely, and particularly uh, on the fact that virtually every Democrat on that stage took positions that were to the left of Barack Obama, you know, playing right in to, uh, at least from the campaign's view, their plan to portray the Democrats as simply too far to the left, effectively a socialist party now. That's right, they are, and I know that that worries George Stephanopoulos, but they are a socialist party. If you listen to the debate last night, that's what you heard. You heard socialism. You heard craziness. You heard things like... Trans rights for abortion rights for trans men. I, I, don't, I can't even I can't even explain it. Now, the other point, too, then this is an important point to make, is that you haven't seen you've seen nothing yet till Bernie Sanders gets on that stage tonight. All of that that they did last night was a preview for the main event, that being Bernie and his craziness on stage. Eight, seven, seven, three, eight, one, three, eight, one, one. Let us go to Barbie in Hillsborough, Texas. Barbie, you're on the Mark Levin show. Thanks for calling. Hi, yes, I am a third generation, 100% Norwegian, and I don't like the fact that we, people think that we are privileged because my family served from the Civil War until the present. And my family came here as indentured farm workers. So how dare they? 
Yes, you're right. And, and that's a shame that they do that, right? They want to protect you as this you know, white European and, and you're the problem and you're the bad person. How, many, how much blood was spilled, right, to save the Union and to ensure that slavery was defeated? Also, the fact that they want to put everybody on reservations and plantations and then they want to sit at the top as the cream of the crop and tell us that we should pay all these taxes and work for them so they can live their beautiful lives in their castles, which is what they're doing now. You know what Vikings do? Vikings go to work. And Vikings conquer, and all they do is sit on their laurels and do nothing except wah, wah, wah. Well said. All right, Barbie, thanks for the call to the Mark Levin Show, 877-381-3811. The Democrats are also trying to be the most open on the borders. This is the other little game now. This is the other little game, the game being that, oh, no, no, we'll, we'll make the borders the most open. You watch. We'll absolutely have open borders. And we know that they want open borders. The president has said that. We also know that the Democrats don't want to solve the immigration problem because they love having they love having images of people suffering at the border. They love it. It used to be a manufactured crisis. Now that it's a crisis that they've actually decided it is a crisis now, they, they get to decide, oh, now they don't want to fix it, you see. Why would they? This is the only issue they have, they think. This is a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a cut their team. Cue that up. This is a little bit of a montage of some of the Democrats talking about their plans on open borders. In my first hundred days with immigration reform that would honor asylum claims that would put undocumented immigrants as long as they haven't committed a serious crime on a pathway to citizenship. My plan also includes getting rid of Section 1325 of the Immigration and Nationality Act. Criminalizes coming across the border. We would not detain any family fleeing violence. And then we would rewrite our immigration laws in our own image. Free dreamers forever from any fear of deportation by making them U.S. citizens here in this country that the separation of children from families doesn't just go on at our border it happens in our communities as ice are ripping away parents from their american children spouses and the like and are creating fear in cities all across this country where parents are afraid to even drop their kids off to school or go to work we but must end we those policies as well but at least one democrat seems to be retreating here's julian castro i'm for decriminalizing not legalizing uh, there are still civil penalties. People are still part of a court process. People are still subject to the laws of the United States. They still go through a process. Also, open borders is a right-wing talking point. We have 654 miles of fencing. We have thousands of uh, border personnel. We have planes. We have helicopters. We have boats. We have guns. We have security cameras. Uh, nobody has called for open borders. You're, you're literally calling for open borders. You're saying that you want to decriminalize crossing the border illegally. So if you decriminalize it, it's open. It's open. Let's understand that fact. Don't you love the dystopian America that Senator Cory Booker, Count Grandstangela, as I call him? This the grandstanding of this guy, Spartacus. He, this picture of kids, be, parents don't want to drop their kids off at school because they might be taken. I want to ask a question. This is an honest question now. Imagine if you had a warrant for your arrest. You're a United States citizen. You have a warrant for your arrest. And the police know that you drop your kids off at school every morning. Do they not arrest you? Because it's some sort of a, we don't do that when, when you have kids, we don't arrest people. Did I miss that? 
Did I miss that? Because a lot of people are in prison. In the, the Americans who have committed crimes, they're in prison. They have kids. We don't just go, well, we don't want to separate the family. So you're good. You're, you're good. I mean, you're wanted on this warrant, but you're good. We don't want, we can't separate the family. But that's what Booker's saying, right? That ICE is coming in. It's not just at the border. It's within the country and coming separating families. Kids, parents don't want to drop their kids off at school because they might be taken. So I asked the question, if there's an arrest warrant for you, and the, do the cops come to the house and go, all right, let's go. You're coming with us. Oh, you have kids. I'm so sorry. No, no, you know what? Listen, it's all good. Forget it. I'm going to tell the boys back at the station. All good. We're good. We're good here. Does it work that way? Or they're pulling up to arrest you because they know you dropped the kids off at school, and there they are. They're about to come down on you. They got the SWAT team ready. Uh, well, the, the children, they might be separate. We can't. But move it on, boys. It's so stupid what they say here. There are Americans who have to deal with the fact that they're not going to see their kids because they're going to prison and the kids can visit them. I love her acting like this doesn't happen. It only happens to illegal immigrants. They're the only ones who ever get taken into custody and are separated from their children. It's just such a it's such a lie that they push all the time. All the time. As if they're as if the people who are here illegally are the only ones who ever have to worry about losing contact with their kids. What about people who are arrested for gun crimes? But they shouldn't be because they haven't really done anything wrong other than they're they have a gun and they haven't committed a crime. But we've made all these new crimes now, so what about them? What happens to them? I don't hear the Democrats coming out and saying, Well, what are this situation here? Like a woman from Philadelphia, who went into Jersey with a gun, a legal gun in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, goes into Jersey, doesn't realize that the it doesn't translate over state lines. She's facing prison time. I don't remember people on the left coming out and going, don't separate this woman from her children. It is it is such a farce that they do. It really is, truly is. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show. The great one's out tonight. But, you know, I can't tell you enough how great his book on Freedom of the Press is. It's absolutely terrific. And Sunday night, he's going to do a very special edition of Life, Liberty, and Levin, 10 p.m. on the Fox News Network with businessman Forrest Lucas. And this is good because we're really going to get to the bottom of this whole socialism versus capitalism nonsense. And you're going to hear a lot of people tonight advocating socialism. They'll say it's not, but you know it is. And you know what happens when people advocate socialism. It means you and I pay more and you and I lose freedom straight ahead. Mark Lovin. very quickly that the Democrats are going to destroy a candidate named Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. She's a congresswoman. She's a major in the United States Army. She's an Iraq war vet and she doesn't want more war. And so what happens is that they smear her and say that she's a Putin puppet and she's 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 helping dictators. Sound familiar? That's exactly what they do with President Trump. I'm telling you, the Democrats are so controlled by it's uh, this weird fusion of the military industrial complex and the media industrial complex. And they don't want Tulsi Gabbard because she was saying things last night in that debate about not wanting more war. And she's pushing back on her Democrat colleagues. You know, President Trump, when he ran for president, said he did not want more war. He he's been, I think, very sober in his judgment with regards to dealing with Iran. I think the president has said consistently 
he would not have gone into Iraq. This is one of those things. And what do they say about him? They turn around and say that he's he's a puppet. He's Putin's puppet. And that he's out there uh, emboldening strongmen and dictators. I look at Tulsi Gabbard and I disagree with her vehemently on her economic plans. But when she's talking about the fact that we shouldn't be going to war and, and we should be uh, making alliances with people like Putin and that sort of thing. And she goes to meet with Bashar al-Assad and they start going after her as saying that she is in fact a Putin puppet. And the, it's exactly the same thing with, that they did with Trump. It's exactly the same. And there are forces at play here that that do this all the time. And that's why when you hear Democrats, you're going to hear more of this too, trashing her, saying that she's Bashar al-Assad's puppet and Putin's puppet and on and on. For that reason. For that reason right there. The Mark Levin Show, 877-381-3811. And it's, it's, you know what it is too, especially with the president and all this talk about collusion, it's exhausting. And now we got to hear it again when Mueller testifies on July 17th. I have questions for, for Mueller, of course, too. Like, for example, when did you know that the president did not collude with Russia? Why would you wait so long to tell us that? Hmm? Uh, John is in Virginia Beach. John, you are on the Mark Levin Show, sir. Go ahead. Good evening. Just something really quick. Uh, the Democrats are behind the game. Several years ago, Monty Python in the movie The Life of Brian, the Michael Palin character decided that he wanted to be called Elaine from now on and that he was going to have babies. Oh, there you go. Hey, listen, if it's good enough for Monty Python, it's good enough for American policy. There you go. All right, John. Thanks for the call, bud. Appreciate it. Uh, let us go to Johnny in Philly. Johnny, my hometown. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Rich. Um, this this idea that uh, children are being separated from their parents is sort of a trivial idea. You know, when people are convicted of crimes and state or federal court, they're separated from their children. If children go to boarding school, they're separated from their parents. Um, this isn't anything new or unusual. And this idea that America's running concentration camps, uh, well, you know... It's shameful is what it is. Uh, Johnny, it's an excellent point, though. There are Americans being separated by law enforcement because they committed crimes. Right. Uh, great call, my friend. Coming up, the craziness of the Democrat debate. Round two in a matter of moments. Zioli for Mark Levin, straight ahead. Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. The media is pathetic, though, in the way that they have covered this uh, this debate with the Democrats. No questions, no follow-up. What does this cost? What about this? No questions for them. In fact, the only negative question that was asked the entire night last night was to Tulsi Gabbard. Right? Because I told you they want to destroy her. Uh, Mark Levin Show, Rich Zioli from WPHT on Twitter, by the way, at Rich Zioli. Great to be in for the great one, my buddy. My Actually, my inspiration for getting into radio is Mark Levin. And he's been a great friend and uh, I think the world of the guy. And I also love his books. And you should get on Freedom of the Press. Look, it's, it's got to be good, right? It's number one on the New York Times bestseller list for five weeks in a row. So it's got to be good. You know that. 877-381-3811. That's, you see, but don't you see the, the parallels? I, I am not in any way, shape, or form saying that I would vote for Tulsi Gabbard because economically, I she's your typical lefty when it comes to the Medicare for all and the $15 minimum wage and on and on. But on this war stuff and the way they want to destroy her just shows you. It, 
if she were to get elected, and I don't think she will, but if she were to get elected, they would be calling, they would be doing investigations into her. Well, did you collude with Putin? Did you collude with the Russians? Did you collude with so-and-so? But the other Democrats, they're allowed to hang out with Soviets and dictators to the like, as long as it's dictators the left approves of. Venezuela's dictator, that's okay. Soviet Union dictators, uh, I mean, not Russia, I mean the Soviet Union, like Bernie Sanders, that's okay. Quote Che Guevara, that's fine, that's okay, you're allowed to do that. It's such a double standard, it really is. And I think a great way to show you how these 10 candidates last night, should none of them should win. I mean, none of them should become president. But a great way to show you the difference between them is Chuck Todd, he did, a, uh, he did a question at the end. Who's the, the biggest geopolitical threat? Now, this is all the answers, the 10, the 10 of them on stage, including the people that shouldn't be on stage. Some guy named John Delaney. I don't know who, I have no idea who John Delaney is. Nobody knows who the hell John Delaney is. John Delaney got there last night and said, I don't know, where do I park? I believe is what he said. The governor of Colorado, John Hickenlooper, they literally mistook him for a member of the media. That's what I mean. Nobody knows these people. They have no chance. But of course, they have to be inclusive. And one of them may become pregnant. One of the men could become pregnant. So you got to make sure that you're there to help them as well. So Chuck Todd asked a question. Listen to this, I'd say, mixture of uh, a, a couple of answers that are legit and then a couple of just uh, nonsense. Cut four. I go down the line here, finish up foreign policy. It's a simple question. What is our what is the biggest threat? to what is Who is the geopolitical threat to the United States? Just give me a one word answer, Congressman Delaney. <clears throat> Could you repeat the question? greatest geopolitical threat yeah, to the United now, States now, right pause now? Pause it there for see, Delaney's not even paying attention. This guy has no chance of becoming president. He's just tuned out. He's completely tuned out. He's like, what am I even doing up here? So they have to repeat the question for him. Stop wasting everybody's time. John Delaney, I promise you this, he will never become president. I, I, I'll make that bet. If you want to bet me on Twitter at Rich Zioli, feel free. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right, continue. Could you repeat the question? Greatest geopolitical threat to the United States right now, Congressman Delaney? Well, the biggest uh, geopolitical challenge is China, but the okay. biggest geopolitical threat yes. remains nuclear weapons. Okay. Right? So those are, di- you know, those are different questions. Those, totally get it. Go ahead, Governor Inslee. The biggest threat to the security of the United States is Donald Trump. Oh, <laughs> what a line right there. Now stop it right there. for no, Inslee is another guy who has no chance of becoming president. The governor of Washington. He's, he's got four things he's running on. Climate change, climate change, climate change, and climate change. Has no chance. So then he's got a zinger. The greatest threat is Donald Trump. Whoa. Now who writes this stuff for these people, honestly? Who writes this stuff? That's the greatest threat. Our president is the greatest threat. But then the, you know, the crowd cheers. They're clapping seals. They're very happy to cheer for that. Now they asked Tulsi Gabbard, uh, an adult in the room on the stage. Go ahead. The greatest. Greatest geopolitical threat. risk of nuclear war today than ever before in history. uh, Two threats, economic threat, China, but our our major threat right now is what's going on in the Mideast with Iran if we don't Okay, try to keep it slimmer slimmer than what we've been going here. One or two words. Our existential threat is climate change. We have to confront it before it's too late. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Nuclear proliferation and climate change. Climate change. Secretary uh, Castro. uh, China and climate change. China and climate change. Congressman Ryan. China, without a question, they're wiping us around the world economically. Uh, And Mr. Mayor. Russia, because they're trying to undermine our democracy, and they've been doing a pretty damn good job of it, and we need to stop them. All right, well. Oh, please, uh, Bill de Blasio, Mayor of New York, please, you're another one who loves the Soviets. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding, man? But climate change, that's the big threat. You heard that from several of them. 
Now, I'll explain to you why a Democrat cannot become president in 2020. Here's why. All right. When I look at Pennsylvania, which is where I'm broadcasting from tonight, Mark Levin's hometown, I look at this state and I realized something that I guess the Democrats don't know. Well, there's a lot of people here who have jobs and they're cold jobs. There's a lot of people here in manufacturing. There are a lot of blue collar workers and the Democrats now, because they're going so far to the left on climate change, the greatest threat facing humanity, the greatest threat facing the world, uh, except for Donald Trump, of course. Well, they're going to come up with their crazy Green New Deals in order to try to win the primary. And that's not going to play very well for the coal miners. That's not going to play very well in coal towns, which have seen Obama's war on coal, Joe Biden's war on coal. It's not going to play well for them. And what's going to happen is in order for them to win the nomination, they're going to have to go so far left on this issue that in places like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, the voters there, blue collar voters are going to say, no way, because you're going to put me out of work. You notice something, too, with these Democrats, they're not even talking to the middle class anymore. They, they, they're not even trying to reach out to the middle class. They've gone right to the poorest and the and the poor and the poverty, and they've gone right down, right down the road of taking care of everybody. Middle class voters don't want to be taken care of. Middle class voters just want to make sure that they can get a job. That's it. They don't want government to take care of them. Just give me a job. But everything you hear from these candidates is all about what? Free college, erasing college debt, uh, government health care for all, Medicare for all. It's about taking care of people. They are not speaking to middle class voters. They're not talking to people that go to Cracker Barrel and Walmart because they're not interested in, in, in people like that. They're interested in their base. The brunch crowd, as I call them, the base that loves to in the inner in the cities, they're in cities and they 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 love to go out there and scream about every offense under the sun, every word that triggers somebody and every word that makes somebody cry. But they are not actually voters that are going to matter in a general election. The voters that are going to matter in the general election don't live in the cities. They live in the suburbs. And these voters are hearing this craziness from the stage and they're checking out. I'm telling you, they're checking out. We had a little debate watch party last night because what I love to do on my morning show is make fun of people who are running for president as Democrats. I just find humor to be such an amazing weapon. So we got together to the purposes of of mocking these candidates last night at a bar. And it was very, very well attended. I think the hundreds of people showed up. It was great. We call it the Zioli Army. A lot of fun. And in the course of this now, I was talking to a guy, the bartender at the bar. His mom's a fan of mine. His dad, not so much because he's uh, more on the uh, more of a Democrat. But he told me as he's watching this that he's changing his mind. You know why? Because he's hearing nothing that appeals to him. Nothing. Because he's not somebody looking for a handout. He just wants to make a living like most people do. And the more these people talk, I'm telling you, the more they're just sealing President Trump's reelection. The economy's doing great. People are working again. They don't want to go back to the war on coal. They don't want to go back to the war on manufacturing. They don't they want to go back to the craziness of climate change or these ridiculous fuel standards that make cars less safe and also, by the way, result in less cars being made. So they don't want to go back to that. What they want is somebody who's just going to talk about a good economy, and that's about it. None of these candidates are saying that message. They're all trying to outlefty each other. Look, look, the quoting of Che Guevara was not an accident by Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York. Che Guevara, che Guevara is a, a brutal dictator. The guy was a murderer, murdered people who disagree with him. He's a monster. But that's, you have to remember, within the, the, the intelligentsia of the left, 
He's a leftist hero. That's why you see Che, C-H-E, on shirts, on posters, throughout colleges and throughout lefties. And if you go to a lot of cities, they, they, they think the guy's the greatest. But that mindset, though, of guys like Che Guevara and others, that mindset of, well, we're going to take care of everybody, that's our inspiration right there. That doesn't play with blue-collar workers. It doesn't. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. What plays for blue-collar workers, especially in places like Pennsylvania, in my opinion, the Rust Belt, other states like that, what plays for them is we're going to get government off your back, we're not going to raise your taxes, and we're going to let you just go and live your life. None of these these candidates are offering anything close to that. They're all going far to the left to give everybody, to give away the store. To prove that point, America's mother-in-law, Elizabeth Warren, last night, uh, nobody asked her, by the way, about her fake ancestry, how she lied about being a Native American. Nobody asked her about that. Not one person on the panel asked her about all those years of lying, uh, pretending to be a Native American. Insult, so insulting, I think, truly insulting. But she teared up during her closing last night, cheered up, cut three. Great honor to be here. Never in a million years did I think I would stand on a stage like this. I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I have three older brothers. They all joined the military. I had a dream growing up, and my dream was to be a public school teacher. By the time I graduated from high school, my family, my family didn't have the money for a college application, much less a chance for me to go to college. So you lied. But I got my chance. Because you lied about your ancestry. It was a $50 a semester commuter college. That was a little slice of government that created some opportunity for a girl. And it opened my life. I am in this fight because I believe that we can make our government. Imagine listening we can to this make for four years. Right, that's, I can't. I can't do. I, imagine listening to that for four years. Imagine that. So, government is is every reason why she's here today. Not because she lied about her ancestry. Not because she lied about being Native American. No, government's there. Government's there for her. I mean, that's just it, it's crazy. It's absolute nuttiness. This is the point that I'm making, though. Not a single Democrat on that stage last night, not one, was trying to run to appeal to moderate Democrat voters. If there are any left, I don't know. I have no idea. But not a one of them was trying to appeal to them. And tonight's going to be worse. So this puts Joe Biden in a very, very difficult position. Does Joe Biden, when he's lying about being from Scranton one day and then lying about being uh, from the streets of Wilmington on the other day? Oh, yes. Yeah, the, Joe Biden moved out of Scranton when he was eight years old. But he's oh, Scranton, blue-collar Joe, Scranton, Scranton, Scranton. Then he goes on uh, Al Sharpton's show, Reverend Al's show, and he says that he's from the streets of Wilmington. That's where he really grew up, the hard streets of Wilmington, Delaware, Murdertown, USA. So he flip-flops on everything, even flip-flops on where he grew up, depending on the audience. He's talking to blue-collar guys, Scranton. He's talking to Reverend Al. Well, then, you know, Rev, Rev, I'm from Wilmington, Rev, the tough, hard streets, Rev. I was the only white guy there, Rev. It's so pathetic. But Joe Biden's going to have a choice to make. Does, does he play the socialist game or does he stand up to it? Joe Biden is not a very bright guy. I mean that he's really not. He's just not. He does. He's not a forward thinker. So he's going to pander to the audience in front of him. He's the guy that panders to whoever's in front of him that, that moment. So he's going to also do what they're all doing, which is go hard on climate, go hard on climate change, go hard on the economy in terms of giving away the store. And that is going to make him, if he does become the nominee, unrecognizable as a general election candidate. Everybody right now is acting like if Joe Biden just gets the nomination, he can beat Trump because he's more of a moderate. He's not a moderate, and he's not going to pretend to be a moderate because he doesn't have to. 
Joe Biden and Barack Obama waged a war on coal that devastated towns in the state of Pennsylvania and other states, by the way, waged a war on coal. Don't buy this narrative that they're somehow moderates. Joe Biden himself led the war on uh, destroying due process rights on college campuses for men who were accused of something, accused of uh, sexual assault or rape or something. Joe Biden purposely led the flight, the fight to destroy due process rights on campus. So these men were automatically guilty and thrown out. Now, does that sound to you like somebody who's a moderate? No, it does not. Not any way, shape, or form. Here's the other thing, too. Sunday night on Life, Liberty, and Levin on the Fox News channel, 10 p.m. Mark Levin's got a great guest for you. This is going to be really, really strong. Forrest Lucas. And Mark is going to have a great conversation about capitalism versus socialism. It's time that people understand the difference. You hear these words thrown around, time to understand the difference. And as only the great one can do, he will educate you on that difference in a great show. Sunday night, 10 p.m., Life, Liberty, and Levin. Mark it down. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli in for the great one, Mark Levin, coming right back. Mark Levin. I guess I just don't want to wake up in a world where I have to tell my my son, yes, men can get pregnant. I guess I just don't want to wake up in that world. I'm not woke. That's why I can't support a Democrat. I'm just not woke. See that? Uh, Rich is the only in for the great one, Mark Levin. Democrats now fighting for the rights of men to get abortions. That's where we are. That's where we are in this craziness that we call modern day life. Uh, the Democrats just arrived on stage, by the way. Uh, act two of the circus begins uh, in a few moments. Act two. One of the guys is not wearing a tie. I think he's the anti-circumcision guy. And there's Oprah's spiritual advisor up there. Now, if you're using spirits to advise you, is that not foreign election interference or foreign collusion? I don't know. I'm not sure what the definition is, but we'll have to investigate I'm sure. Uh, let us go to Ron in Brooklyn, New York. Ron, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Rich. How you doing? Good, sir. Good, good. I'm also intrigued by this Telsey Gabbard as well. Um, no one's really mentioning that she, she crushed in the uh, Drudge Report poll, 38%. Elizabeth only had 12 And then uh, I'm also intrigued, too. She, she was the number one name searched on Google. There's a lot of batter I like. She's a little too much... You know, socialism with the economy, so I don't think I can vote for her, but a lot of intrigue there. Well, she's the she's the fresh face, and she's got that uh, silver streak in her hair. In her hair, but she supports all their same nutty lefty policies. I mean, there's nothing about her that stands out uh, on the economy, and that's the you know that's the truth, Ron. But they'll destroy her because uh, her positions on on war are not consistent with theirs. It's just a fact. Uh, thanks for the call, Ron. Appreciate it. Lou is in Nutley, New Jersey. Lou, go ahead. Thank you, Rich, for taking my call, and thank you for being an adoptive father. Thank you. I, I, um, uh, I just think that Mark Levin is a perfect candidate, uh, an argument for cloning. We need an army of Mark Reed Levin <laughs> in this world. Uh, I also would like to say that I think the $20 bill uh, that they should take Jackson and uh, replace it with Ronald Reagan and use Jackson, who on his grave it said, I killed the bank. 
to help keep the Federal Reserve in line with our president trying to keep the rates down uh, and put it on the $1,000 bill to promote capitalism. Uh, earlier, you asked uh, uh, who's going to be most left. It's got to be Comrade Bernie. And uh, I think he's going to bring out a copy of the Communist Manifesto and have uh, suggest that we replace the Constitution with that. I think uh, you're right. Lou, i got to run because of the time, but thanks, buddy, for the call. Joe Biden looks like he just came from the mortuary. I'm not even kidding you. I had to go to a funeral this week, and I'm, I'm, I'm the, and the, the, yeah, that guy looked more alive. I'm saying my friend, uh, Joe Biden looks like he just left the mortuary. That's what he, he doesn't look alive. I'm telling you right now, it's just it's way beyond makeup for the cameras. They infused him with something. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't look like Joe Biden. Maybe they figured Joe Biden is a terrible candidate. They'd swap him out with somebody who looks like Joe Biden. But I'm sure the minute he starts talking and says something stupid, you'll know, oh, no, it's just Joe Biden. He just had a nice visit today at the funeral parlor, and they you know, puffed him up real good and made him look really strong. Hey, it's been an honor to fill in for my buddy Mark Levin, the great one. Don't forget Life, Liberty, and Levin, Sunday night at 10. I am on in the mornings in Philadelphia, WPHD from 530 to 9, if you'd like to Say hello on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And don't forget, on Freedom of the Press, get your copy. God bless you, and we will be back very soon. God bless. Thanks. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.